You are now listening to the Talented 10th Podcast, brought to you by Mosaic Management and Consulting. If you want to learn more about Mosaic Management and Consulting, visit bshare.com slash get started. Okay, I wanted to jump on with my dad and my brother, and we've been discussing the events that are transpiring um, since Monday. Uh, around the country and you know I was in the middle of a friend series and uh, I just felt it appropriate to to record uh, on the event and not be tied to a schedule or a series because ultimately um, our people are my friends broadly and uh, the state of things is not where it needs to be so I don't even look at this as a deviation from the friend series. I look at this as a continuation of how we should be feeling about each other uh, as people. So I have my dad, Wayne Chair, with me and my brother, Brian, and, and we're just kind of going to kind of jump into it. We're recording here on Saturday. And frankly, last night was. It was it was crazy, and I don't I honestly don't think that. uh it's going to tamp down. Do you guys? I think it's about to run its course a little bit, and especially running into the weekend. Uh, I, I can see it maybe uh, amplifying a little bit, especially today. And, you know, we might see something uh, down uh, after the weekend is over. What about you, Brian? Yeah, I believe it. I believe it's going to going to be rampant for a few days um you know i know they arrested the police officer but um i think it's uh you know for the next several days people are still going to take out their anger uh you know with these riots and different things going on so you got to run this course for a little bit that's just i think that's just the way it's going to go for right now yeah, and before we jumped on, we were kind of talking about the people who are inciting things and muddying the waters and using different disinformation, which is a very, it plays on the fundamentals of humanity when you're passionate about something and you get information that confirms it. Um, that's the very essence of humanity and, and disinformation takes uh, takes advantage of that. But the thing I wanted to talk about first and foremost is, you know, we can't deviate too far from what the actual issue is. And the actual issue, um, I mean, we've seen this stuff. I mean, you guys have seen it, Dad. I wanted to have you on from a unique perspective because you grew up in a time where it was, this was ongoing and, and it had very little let up. But, what transpired with, with George Floyd was just beyond anything that I've ever seen. And, I, and, and, you know, I studied criminal cases in law school. I was in law school in the times of Michael Brown. And, um, you know, when the, when the charges came down and, and, and those minutes that we had already counted, but it was put on paper, eight minutes, 43 seconds over two and a half of which George was already unconscious. You know, 
what do you say to that? I mean, what do you say to the people who are now making this about riots when you're faced with that? Yeah, it's, I'll tell you what, it's, uh, I think the the element with this that makes this uh, very different from what this reminded me of 1968, um, you know, with the riots in uh, Watts and Detroit and Newark and so forth. But what makes this so different is, is, is the video, the social media element. Um, and, you know, and there's a lot of irony in this as well. You know, you you take the uh, the diversions that, you know, the rioting and different things that are, in many cases, taking away from what the actual issue is. And I don't want to see us get diverted away from addressing and calling attention to the fundamental issue with, you know, mistreatment, police brutality, systemic racism. And if we don't watch it, we'll sidetrack. It'll be more about the riots and we'll be the central issue. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I, I agree with everything you just said. Um, you know, I worry, uh, you know, it's disheartening watching that video, you know, first off, you know, with the guy kneeling on him for, you know, over eight minutes or whatever. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of the part I really don't understand. Um, I know, you know, maybe if you're getting somebody down or whatever, maybe you have to use that for a brief, you know, to get them detained or whatever, and then you get up or whatever. But just to sit there for over eight minutes, that's just, man, that's, that's wild. And then to have it on video and, you know, people yelling to, to, to raise your knee off of them, you know, he's out. And to be undeterred you know, by the video, Brian, that's what even right. makes it, takes it to an even higher level, man. Me and you and me and Daddy were talking about there's a, there's a couple of elements. It's the, it's the actual act of putting the knee on someone's throat while they're handcuffed against the curb. There is the length of time that makes it even worse. There's the other three officers who didn't see any problem that makes it even worse. I mean, and the fact that you were all on video and it still didn't deter it makes it even worse. And so there's just a, I think there's a level of brazenness that can't be ignored in that video because people were undeterred by witnesses, video evidence, none of it made a difference. And I think that is something that hopefully people of goodwill can say, okay, this is a this is an extremely deep problem if all of these factors are in place and no one let up. Well, and I, and I tell you what, the, the insensitivity on a number of levels, insensitive, the actual act of a person not uh, treating another one with, uh, you know, in a humane way for being on their neck for, you know, eight, eight minutes plus, and then on top of that, we have public officials that are not shown sensitivity 
haven't stepped forward, haven't directly addressed this in the manner that it should be. Uh, it's just insensitivity on several different levels on the actual event as well as, you know, on, on even other levels of governance and so forth. But we just have not shown the type of uh, sensitivity you would think from a humane society. I agree. I mean, I don't. I don't think the you know the insensitivity, insensitivity that's being shown is uh, you know that that's what's baffling about this whole situation. Um, you know, we all know, obviously, growing up in the South, and you know, we've known many different situations like these that have occurred uh, without video or before the social media age. And I think what's, you know, even worse about it, you know, and, you know, our race and stuff or, or minorities are having even more of issue. You know, we, we now have videos and different things where people can actually see what's going on. Yet, you know, people are still not being held accountable for their actions. And, you know, that obviously incites the riot. Um, you know, I understand people's, um, you know, uh, being upset with how everything is going on. I just worry that the rides take away from the main issue. And that's the easiest thing for the media and, and you know, whatever people are against this to use the rides as something to d- deter from the real issue. Right. I mean, I, you know, sir. Go ahead, Dan. You know, something that I uh, kind of, you know, wrote something about this morning was, and I think LeBron or some of them kind of touched on this the other day, from certain, and I'm not talking about from a grassroots level, but from certain public or very visible officials in this country uh, came out and spoke uh, against Colin Kaepernick and NFL players when they knelt a while back. But some of those same individuals have not spoken out. And this guy knelt on somebody's neck and killed him. But but, But many of those people that were so vocal at that time that just really took offense to it, where are they? We don't hear anything from them now. And and to me, the message and, and their silence and their absence and their silence on this subject speaks volumes in terms of at the upper levels of our society. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, and it, I woke up this morning – um, I mean, y'all, y'all too know, uh, some people know when I was in, in law school, I worked for the, uh, legal clinic, the civil lit- litigation and advocacy clinic and, uh, worked on fair labor standard act case. Um, and that's when, you know, at that same time, we're putting together mass incarceration events, black lives matter events, having those discussions with police bringing in civil rights uh, attorneys, judges, uh, uh, public defenders, bar associations. Um, But in that clinic, when we walked in, 
I'll never forget. There's a poster on the wall, and it's a quote from Frederick Douglass. And it says, and I thought about it this morning, power concedes nothing without a fight. It never has, and it never will. And, you know, there's a, uh, there's a, a girl and there's a young woman in Brian's class. Um, I won't say her name, but she had, uh, she had a post, uh, that Sarah Hartness, uh, reposted on Facebook and it was so poignant and it was addressing, you know, at what point do you have the right to ask a group of people after hundreds of years to continue to be patient and, and to just march quietly and and show faith in the very system that they're actually frustrated with. How long is that a reasonable request? I mean, at what point is that not, you're not showing good faith by requesting that of a group of people. That's the crux of it. It's a long, and that, that is, it's tough because all three of us, and this is unfortunate, and I feel guilty about it. I mean, and I, I can't speak for you two. There are a lot of things that I want to say super unfiltered. But I have to balance whether that's going to allow me to continue to make the progress and work on the things that I need to work on by being that unfiltered. So I have to take time to craft things now in a way that I unfortunately have to do. But the reality is the real question we have to address right now is, we're getting to a point where you either fix it or people are feeling like they have nothing to lose. Well, yeah. this is a, this is a regression because, you know, I see what I saw in the, in the, in the sixties, because basically in the sixties, you know, right now we're dealing with COVID-19, which is hidden, impacting the, uh, minority communities at a higher level or percentage than it is mainstream America. We're dealing with uh, racial issues kind of brought to a head on this. Well, in the 60s, you were dealing with civil rights. You were dealing with Vietnam. Uh, it was just a, a powder keg. And now we're, we're in that type of a, of, of a situation right now. And, uh, you know, so to ask people to be patient now is that's a big ask. And, and I think this thing is jumped. This is more about right now. It's gotten to the point in our society of being about right and wrong. Yeah. There's a racial element. There always will be to a degree, but this is jump racial barriers now. This has become a class situation. This has become, it's more, it's right and wrong. Well, and, yeah, uh, and, that's and a see, very I, important, that's very important to say, because just like people use online and gathering and rioting and looting, which they may themselves be doing and hiding behind folks who are actually trying to be poignant and, and be measured, the same thing can be said about the, the, the um, the micro racism in in times like this, 
where you're trying to make everything people do specific to being racist or being race, uh, race driven. And I think you're right, Danny. A lot of this is right and wrong because, you know, people have always feared on the right and the left, depending on the issue, man, this could eventually be me. Now, do we need a better sense of urgency about that from our white brothers and sisters? Yes. But there are a lot of people who realize, man, at what point does it flip onto me? And we have to have people realize that that is the nature of civil rights and constitutional rights. It's not what has happened to me. These are the overall governing structures that set up societies and the perceptions of fairness and, and equal shakes, which bleeds into whether people work hard, whether people are inviting and, and accepting. It all cascades down into how we treat each other on an individual basis. So if the very framework of the society we live in is demonstrating clear unfairness, then I think people either directly or indirectly realize that that could cascade down into just a powder keg, like you said. Because even yesterday, y'all, or, or the day before yesterday, I think it was yesterday morning, when the CNN reporter was arrested. Right. And, 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 and a block away, <laughs> there's another CNN reporter who wasn't, they didn't tell to do anything. And we, we know the difference. So it, 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 it wasn't that the other reporter was racist. I mean, he didn't do anything either. Right. But it, it just was a display in the middle of a community trying to point to how uh, law enforcement treats them, even when they're trying to just bring uh, uh, coverage and information on the matter, you see it again. You see it again. He yeah. was arrested. They had to. They had to get the governor involved to get him out. But he was arrested before the very guy who's nailed on somebody's neck for eight and a half plus minutes, and two and a half minutes after a guy's unconscious. I mean, how do you argue that in in that situation when people are saying that that law enforcement is treated differently? There's no. I mean, it's it's. To me, I mean, it's no way to argue, argue it. But like I say, they're using other things to divert away from, you know, for the rise and everything. They're using that to divert from what's actually going on. And like like Dave said about the right and wrong, I mean, no matter what race or whatever, I mean that. I mean that that situation is just mind boggling. And I think for me. There's two things, you know, when we see things like this. I would like to see the police people come out and speak. Um, but, you know, we dealt with really good cops. I'm not saying all of them. I mean, we've had, I've had different run-ins or whatever with certain ones. But I, to me, it's important for them to come out and speak and say that these things are not okay because it's tarnishing the good that many of these guys do. And for years, you know, they they just don't do that. They just don't come out and speak upon that. And 
Not until they're retired and are a paid commentator on on a on a yeah, news. Yeah, I mean it, it's too late for all that. Now it, it has to be done there. Then, kind of from my perspective, you know, I've seen different, uh, you know, tweets and different things. You know, with what I'm in in the in the basketball sense, we got a lot of high profile white coaches or you know other races who recruit and go sit in these homes of many black kids who make them millions of dollars, who make these schools millions of dollars. We're not hearing them speak up. This is the time for them to speak up. Um, you know, cause you greatly benefited off the backs of a lot of these kids, whether it's college basketball, you know, college football, um, even some of the, you know, seeing the pro guys, I mean, these guys are generating a lot of money. And for you to sit back and not speak up or kind of apply things um, to help this situation, it rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. Well, see, that's what, and see, I was very upset during the Kaepernick situation. And there were, there were some, uh, I'm not saying that there weren't some, some white players in the NFL that that stepped Chris up Long. and said some stuff. Yeah. But some of the high profile guys didn't step up. Yeah. They were and 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 man, I, I tell you what, uh and let's face it, from a league and and, and and Brendan, you said you hit the nail on the head when you said that and sometimes we wanna be unfiltered and just unload you know, just on some of this stuff that's going on and just call it what it is. But you you have to take a little bit measured, a more measured approach. But at the same time, leadership in, in this country, in a crisis situation, our leadership has to be better from the very time. It has to be better with, with the country burning. We're not seeing the people, the faces, and hearing the voices in leadership positions in this country at the highest level. And you can fill in the blanks on that. We ain't seeing, we're not seeing. And it it, is, is, is absent. And that is in itself a shame. It's not just absent. The, it's being inflamed. It's being, it's being fanned. I mean, it's 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 political as of twenty eight minutes ago. Uh, it's been made political by elected officials that it's Antifa and it's like with what evidence are we to which are we attributing this right? And and it could be, but <clears throat> some people are going to try and take advantage of this. Not some that try. They they already are. I mean, we know what. When the looting starts, the shootings, I mean, come on. We all know what that, well, we should know what that harkens back to. Uh, You know, dogs, mentioning dogs is just, I mean, what do you expect? But, but, but at this point in time, folks are willing to, to shift that focus and, you know, I did say it's tough because you want to be filtered, but both of y'all know that a filtered Brendan is still a, a unloaded general person, right? You know, and 
I can't I can't take it much longer. Uh, you know, and I and I and I had talked about it with a mentor yesterday. I took a deep breath after Monday and uh even Tuesday because I know how my passions flame up and it's a good thing. I don't mean that negative. And you know, I'm I'm sitting across from my desk looking at, at King and, and Obama who I, I strategically put across from me so that I can look at them each day and be reminded of them. But there's somebody I don't have up, and that's uh, Malcolm X. And, you know, as much as I love King, King was able to accomplish what he, was, uh, what he accomplished or helped us accomplish and lead because of the 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 environment on the ground at the time in the midst of all the chaos you talked about uh the late 60s 68 right it was uh you're talking yeah. about white watts it was setting up a reasonable and measured alternative with credibility that allowed Martin Luther King to be successful he did have peaceful protests but it was the juxtaposition of what it could look like if you don't make concessions and clean up your act that allowed him to be effective. And we've allowed history to try and tell us that it was only peaceful protest that led to progress. When the very nature of our founding shows that that ain't enough. And I am not advocating for looting, burning, any of those things. But what I am saying to my brothers and sisters of goodwill is yes looting and rioting is the uh is is the way the unheard speak but you have to make an environment uncomfortable for people to embrace what was already reasonable we put forward reasonable alternatives we haven't been burning things down on a continuous basis since we've been murdered, being murdered by at the hands of law enforcement. It's not an ongoing problem just because it's been a day or two. It's just not. But you have to see eventually that the reasonable day-to-day request that we're making is a measured approach. And when you do see looting and burning, you can't act like you haven't been offered a measured alternative just because that takes place. You haven't taken advantage of the measured alternative and fixes to the system that have been offered on an ongoing basis for almost 100 years since Reconstruction. We were talking, me and Daddy were talking about U.S. Grant, or we were, a Grant special was on History Channel, and the last episode gets into Reconstruction, and that was a long, long, long time ago. It was a long time ago. It was. It was. And I, but you know, you talked about uh, Dr. King and, and kind of alluded to Malcolm. When we go back uh, historically, there's always been whether you even want to go back to Booker, you want to go back to Booker T. Washington and W.E.B. Du Bois, there was always, there was a, one that whether Du Bois offered a a little bit more radical approach to things, whereas Booker T. Washington probably a softer 
more one that didn't threaten the mainstream the way Du Bois did. So you had basically two, uh, uh, I'm not going to say extremes, but in a sense, but two options. The same way with Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. They worked in conjunction in a sense because together it allowed what Malcolm did allowed uh, Dr. King to get some things done because people were more threatened by Malcolm. So to some degree, they were more willing to listen to and, 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 and deal with the approach for King because they preferred that over Malcolm X, whereas they pre- uh, preferred Booker T. Washington over uh, Du Bois. And so you have to have those particular options. It's not saying that you're burning stuff up, but at the same time, there has to be an edgier option out there. Other than that, people won't move. Right. They'll just, they, it has to be there. And because that allows progress. Uh, and if you don't have that particular threat to a degree, then progress is not going to, it's not going to materialize. Yeah. Brian, were you going to say something? No, I agree with that. I mean, with the Malcolm and the, you know, Malcolm Martin Luther and, you know, having a a guy kind of, you know, somewhat, I guess, on the opposite, opposite end of the spectrum as far as their approach. A different different means, same end. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, you know, it's no different than, you know, if you're coaching a kid, one one's gonna react to maybe a softer sense. One's gonna another guy may react better to being, you know, real tough on them. So yeah, I then, think that giving give and take gives um, you know, gives guys a different different perspective, and it also gives people um, a different way of of listening to things, and maybe even get things across because they might not go for the the one way but they may more have to listen to the other and they and then in the in the midst of it all you realize there's different ways to skin a cat i mean i i talked about my one thing i feel strongly about is this purity test that we self-apply sometimes and and this is a somewhat of a criticism of our own people there are no perfect messengers there may be someone who has one or two things that you disagree with and you can't be so in a uh, competition of who, who's the most woke or who's the purest when people are trying to deliver progress to the people. And and that's something that I think we as people have to reexamine because I think the mythology of Martin Luther King Jr. has somewhat uh, the white mythology uh, uh has contributed to that. And, and and one thing that we have to realize is that is just a fable. It's a story. It's not true. It wasn't a solo act, right? There wasn't, he wasn't completely pure and infallible, but he was largely a great man. And that's what matters. Right. Um, but in the midst of it all, we have to be aware that the majority in America never demand a perfect messenger. Even if that's what history says, they know they never demand a perfect messenger. Look at some of our elected officials right now. If they're able to advance the progress that they want, they're willing to accept an imperfect messenger. 
And so right. we as black people cannot uh, uh, wait until there's somebody who's 100% pure to help deliver us because nobody else is waiting for that. And we may be throwing away and pushing aside folks who are the most perfect for the situation because we're waiting for a 100% perfect person to come by. And the people we're facing uh, opposition to, the people who don't want to change the structure or the power uh, allocation in this country are never going to wait for a per- perfect person to deliver them. And well, we can't do that either. You can't do it and you can't allow people to discredit a person by shining a light on what what flaw that they have. Because, and see, and that's what we've allowed to happen. And when somebody, the obvious flaw that somebody has, then when uh, they shine the light on it, then it, we allow that person to be discredited in our eyes. And, and it's not about that because, hey, if Charles Manson says two plus two is four, it's four. It doesn't matter if it was Charles Manson that said it or somebody else. I mean, the truth is the truth. And, yeah. and you got to focus on the, on the message and, and not so much on these peripheral issues that don't matter. I've done it. I've done it. I mean, I've I applied harshly uh, uh, Kamala Harris's record to her in a way that I probably uh, haven't went through and and necessarily scrutinized the Amy Klobuchar. I do it. I admit it. Now it's driven by an, a sense of elevated expectations for our own people. But it can't be it can't be so elevated that you're 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 kneecapping them uh, in their future because you wish that they did something better when they actually did what they did better. We just wanted perfection. And I, I admit that that's what made President Obama so undeniable in the country in the country's eyes, because there wasn't a glaring thing that you could point to really in his history. Um, that you could legitimately say is a is a screw up, and it Obama, you can't wait for what we think, and he's run out a perfect person either. But we can't wait for those folks who who really have nothing in their background to even be a messenger for us. Well, you know, and and I and I'll say this, uh, you know, we grew up, and especially myself, you grew up in a time where. You know, I was born obviously prior to integration and such and such, and 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 basically what we we were grown, we grew up with the belief it was kind of drilled in us that I can say we were bet, but we don't act like that. I mean, we we see this, we're gonna act better than that, and then we take that particular uh, belief. And expectation, we've taken it down through the years that we want to be better. We don't want to act like that. And 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 then when these things come up, because the way society is now, anything that's done is going to come to the light. And, you know, but we still have that high expectation of character. And then we don't allow sometimes people's humanity to come out and and uh and, and realize 
they're human and they're going to make mistakes, but that's how we were drilled coming up. We might not have had much in terms of material things, but we have our character, we have our morals. We got to have, we got to keep that. And that's what was drilled in us. When we didn't have anything else, we said, we got that. And that's and that's a part of our culture and a part of the way and it's we a, look at And it's a part of what colors our patients. Yeah. We're better, we're, okay, we're better than this. Let's work within the system. Let's work, well, you know, like we said, nobody on here is advocating for anarchy. But we have to take a step back and say, how do we adjust our mindset culturally to be more effective? And that's and it's something all that about I'm, mindset. It's mindset. It's all about the mindset because that's how that's how we were brought up. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times when you don't have a lot, then you focus on those things that you have control over. You have control of of basically how you act and how hard you work and how this. And, uh, you know, how, how well you love your family. And it, you control that. And so we would zero in on that, and that became kind of our North Star. And, uh, and, and we have a – I'm not saying that we need to get away from that, but that's why that's so ingrained in, in the way we approach things. No, we just need to apply that same mindset in a 2020 effective manner. Right. And, and, and be – be okay with it. Be okay with what we know we are and not be so uh, hell-bent on making sure that people see that because people may see it and deny it. They may know it, but they may deny it. We, we hear it. But it's really about us having that mindset with ourselves more so than it is uh more so than it is about caring if other people recognize it. Now we want other people to recognize it, but that can't that that desperation for recognition can't supersede what we know to be effective. And I just want to end. Um, there was something I posted uh, the other day that that got some traction, but I just wanted to read it uh, before as we as we kind of play out here. I appreciate y'all uh, jumping on. It wasn't that much of a task for you since y'all are family, but uh, it it says I, I, uh, too often people don't see the glass partition that separates us from the majority in America. If you polish and clean the glass well enough, it appears to not exist. It appears that we are sitting at the same table as equals. Never forget that that is an illusion. It's an unholy mirage. We are separated from your world and only able to look at it from the other side of the glass partition that separates our reality. That you constantly clean and polish up but won't take down. From the American talk, uh, the American talk track of ideals, we don't see them. We are not stupid. The centuries of hypocrisy have bore a hole in our hearts and can only be filled with, and these are the three things, guys, I believe. It has to be filled with self-love, strategic action, and a renewed purpose for our people by our people. 
And uh, I appreciate y'all jumping on today. Um, we talk often, guys, and I don't know, we may be bringing more of our conversations to you, but we'd like to keep them personal and because and, our, our, that's just how our family is. But I think a lot of times we discuss things that are very useful and uh, we'll just have a discussion as a family how often we jump on. So I appreciate y'all jumping on. This is the Talented 10th Podcast. There's more to come. And I'll see you all soon. See you too soon as well. All right. All right, man. Thanks for having me. All right. All right.